Okay. What's going on, everybody? What's going on? My name is Dr. Boyce Watkins, and um, welcome to drboycetv.com, the home for intelligent black people. And uh, today, uh, I want to talk a little bit about uh, some stuff that came through my email recently uh, regarding uh, Black Lives Matter and uh, black churches and and uh, some Black Lives Matter signs being burned off black churches and black churches being under attack, allegedly from the right. And um, and basically, uh, this this is uh, what I call America's civil war. Uh, right now, we, we, we are a country that's in the middle of what looks like a, some kind of civil war. And uh, we're going to talk about that today. And first of all, I want to welcome everybody. Uh, uh, go ahead and put your hashtag B1 in the chat. Just know that on this platform, we're black first. Uh, being black matters more than anything else. And uh, the two guests I have so far, uh, more panelists may be arriving soon. Uh, the two guests I have today are Jeff Lightsey Jr. from from the Black Boss Channel. Uh, we also have uh, Mr. Kareem Blitz Johnson, as well as um, uh, Tariq Abdul Khalik. And uh, all these brothers are, are smart guys. They have something to say. And I want to welcome the brothers. I want to say hello, everybody. How you doing? Uh, good to see you guys. Thanks for joining me. All right. So uh, let, let's let's just jump into this. I'm gonna read some of this. Uh, to you all. And uh, also, I want to say hello to everybody uh, that's in the audience. Uh, I see Dual Victory and Certified Queen and Timothy Clemens. Uh, put your hashtag B1 in the chat. Hashtag B1 means you're black first. Uh, that's the first thing we got to talk about on this panel is that, or in this uh, platform at all, is that the black community matters more than any other community. We talk about ourselves. We save ourselves before we save anybody else. So uh, hit the thumbs up button, hit the share button, hit the subscribe button. And let me read this to you. This is from NBC News. It says, um, Black Lives Matter signs are burned to D.C. churches. Police investigate as possible hate crimes. The destruction during protests was reminiscent of cross burnings, said Reverend Ianda Mills of historic Asbury United Methodist Church. So they said here that Black Lives Matter signs that apparently were burned and destroyed at historic black churches in Washington, D.C. during a pro-Trump rally this weekend are being investigated as possible hate crimes, authorities said. D.C. police said they were seeking information about the incidents which occurred at Asbury United African Methodist Church, founded in 1836, and Metropolitan African Methodist Episcopal Church, where Frederick Douglass's funeral was held in 1895. Quote, this weekend we saw forces of hate seeking to use destruction and intimidation to tear us apart, said Mayor Muriel Bowser, a Democrat. Uh, we will not let that happen and continue to stand together uh, strong and united in love. She said the police department and religious affairs officials from her office reached out to the churches on Sunday. In a statement, Asbury senior pastor, the Reverend Iander Mills, said pro-Trump supporters removed a Black Lives Matter sign from the church and literally burned it in the street. It pained me, especially to see our name Asbury in flames, she said. For me, it was reminiscent of cross burnings. OK, so uh, so let me just start. Um, Anybody in the panel can jump in on this. And, uh, and brother I, uh, Kareem, I know you're uh, you're muted just because the background noise. But if you if you can't unmute yourself, you just uh, do like this or something. I, that way, I, I'll uh, open it up. Um, uh, what do you all think? Okay, so they're saying that burning the Black Lives Matter sign in the street is like burning the cross. It's like a cross burning. Uh, you know, reminiscent of the 1940s, 1950s. Uh, what do you guys think? Anybody can jump in. Jeff. Well, I definitely don't think that's true. Uh, we, we know that for different people, that Black Lives Matter signs and flags mean different things, right? Like, but overall, for the most part, most people see it as, you know, if you're burning the Black Lives Matter flag, as you see, if you even say, you get some people, you know, referring to burning a cross. But I don't see it as that. Some folks see it as burning a, a symbol of Antifa or a symbol of, of a group that is getting a large amount of money from, you know, Democratic parties or whatever. And, and you just hate that aspect, right? Like it just so happens to say Black Lives Matter. I, I will say, though, that, you know, vandalizing our historically black churches in, in certain areas that, that are predominantly black is not acceptable. I, I won't stand for that. I won't go on record saying that that is OK, that that should be allowed, that that is something that we should stand for or anything like that. OK, um, uh, Kareem, uh, I, I jumped to you, brother. Um, so, so what, what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on this in terms of what's going on with with uh, with, with the, the black churches, Black Lives Matter, and uh, the the Trump supporters kind of clashing in DC? Well, first uh, of all, I'd like to say uh, thank you for inviting me to this panel. Uh, B one, everybody. Um, I don't agree with the brother, I think that burning anything that is representative of a particular group is a terror tactic, is to 
instill fear in that group and anybody who supports that group to make them back off, to make them rethink their position. Because if we can do this to something that has your name emblazoned on it, we can also do it to you. So that is a terror tactic. And it is reminiscent of the same tactics that they have been doing, same tactics that they have been utilizing in this country since Reconstruction. Mm, okay. Uh, all right. So, uh, so T. Uh, so Kareem says that that it's, it's not so much about what they're burning; it's about what the burning represents. That the burning represents, like, if we'll burn something with your name on it, uh, we will burn human beings as well. Uh, what's your take on this? Well, you know, I have a different view and it may be a little bit controversial, but I'm sorry. Um, I believe this is all political and I kind of put more of the blame on um, uh, Black Lives Matter. And I'm going to explain that because I know a lot of people scratching their heads. First of all, um, if you look at the past protests, it was Antifa versus the Proud Boys. And pretty much anytime you see white Antifa protests, the Proud Boys are there and vice versa. Black Lives Matter allowed Antifa to infiltrate their group. There's too many instances of Black Lives Matter and it being nothing but white people holding up Black Lives Matter signs, yelling, screaming, and looting all under the name of Black Lives Matter. Okay, so now you no longer even see anything about Antifa at all. And to me, when I see these type of articles like this, all I see is some type of political front to rile up African-Americans as usual to be the foot soldiers. See, we're always on the ground fighting. So we're always going to be on the ground fighting, fighting these little foot soldiers, white groups, while nothing changes in the Senate, nothing changes in the House, nothing changes politically for our situation. The higher-ups who are controlling everything, we don't even touch that. We're just worried about these foot soldiers and we're instilling fear in black people talking about this is some type of KKK raid. When I'm telling you, I don't think no African-American is going to be harmed. What I see is Black Lives Matter taking over Antifa, and now the Proud Boys see Black Lives Matter as Antifa. And I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not seeing too many clashes of Black people versus white Proud Boys. I'm still looking at white Proud Boys versus white people of the Black Lives Matter movement. And I don't think that we should get that twisted anyway and look at it for what it is. Mm. Okay, so, uh, so it sounds like T is saying that the reason that they are burning the, the the Black Lives Matter stuff is not because of the black people. Um, you know, I, I remember seeing something where they did say, where they had someone where they were saying, you know, F Antifa, like as they were burning the flag. And it, it, it's, it's, it is a little, it is interesting that um, I think that what undermined Black Lives Matter's credibility was when they, when you will go to a Black Lives Matter rally and you would see mostly white people, you know, burning things down and, and doing stuff that a lot of us black folks don't do. Mm-hmm. And 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 so it's like if I join a gang and, you know, I may not have done the things that somebody else in my gang has done. But because I've aligned myself with that side, I'm going to my enemies become their enemies now. You know, like the Vietnam War, you know, they, they, they were dropping bombs on Vietnam because the Vietnam, the, the Viet Cong was aligned with the Soviets. The, the, the Viet Cong was mad at the southern Vietnamese because they were aligned with the Americans. So it almost seems like there's a danger that comes when you align yourself too close with things. So Kareem, what do you say to that? When people talk about, uh, you know, the black lives matter doesn't really, it's lost its core in terms of truly representing black people. And the, the core is actually something that's more based on Antifa, leftism, Marxism, things like that. What, what are your thoughts on that? Well, you know, well, for one, I don't think that they were ever truly representative of a true black liberation front or black liberation movement, right? We have already unearthed the truth of what Black Lives Matter meant as a movement and where it is now. However, it does not dispel the fact that, again, as you say, those who align with anybody that can be perceived sympathetic to the black people, to a black cause, is a threat to white supremacy. So again, if they went and hung an abolitionist, right, or if they hung somebody who was back in the days one of the founders, right, of a white suffrage movement because they aligned with black people 
and policies that would, you know, loosen the grips of slavery, that is a threat. That is a threat not only to those people, but also to the black people. It is sending a message, a distinct message that we are not in alignment with you. And if you raise up and if you claim for rights, for humanity, this is what we're going to do. It's something that they have been exercising throughout the summer, even pre-pandemic. We have seen this over and over again. This is not a new war that's being waged. We could go back to Ruby Ridge, right? We could go back to Tim McVeigh. We can go back to all of these quote-unquote Aryan separatist groups and see that this has been bubbling. It is just now in a day and time where technology has caught up. Mm, okay. Uh, so now allowed us to see these things in real time, but it's the same war, it's the same principles on hold. Okay, so so we've been joined by Dr. Charles Cole and uh, Dr. Cole. Um, so so what we're kind of discussing is, uh, you I know, was, I was watching. Yeah. Okay. So you saw that. Yeah. So uh, you know, give, give us your thoughts on this, Dr. Cole. You know, I think that some people are a little confused. You know, um, as uh, as Kareem has mentioned, you know, we we know that there is a natural hostility toward uh, things that are identified are identified as being connected to blackness or or uh, supporting the black cause or identifying with the black cause and um and, and some people are confused about black lives matter though because uh a lot of people don't feel like black lives matter is driven by a black cause they, they feel that black lives matter is driven by white liberals using the black cause to achieve a white liberal objective you know to achieve their lgbt agenda or whatever it is and using black the pain of black people to uh to create this chaos um, what, what are your thoughts on that, man? Uh, what do you stand well, I on? I walked right into that. Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's two different things though. Right. I think, I think, so I think it's two separate issues. I think one, just to touch on, uh, the them attacking the church regard. I don't know if they thought up through all those politics. I don't know if they mm-hmm. thought through, this is a white front organization or is this to do this or to do that or whatever the case is. I think the folks that went in and tore that down, uh, had ill will and, and malcontent for black people. Right. So, mm-hmm. I'll answer that. I think the other conversation around what BLM is, is a whole different discussion. I do think that people look at BLM in multiple ways. I think the main way that the most and most of us look at it, right, when we say, oh, Black Lives Matter, whatever, is just as a slogan, as a saying, like, look, this is something that we need to kind of pay attention to. I do think that there are people that also look deeper into the organization and they just had kind of a mini uprising within BLM asking about where money went, how things were being spent, how decisions were being made or whatever the case is. And so I just want to be very clear around which which conversation are we having? Um, and then, you know, mm. I don't I don't come on here looking crazy. Well, you know, I, I think that's a good point, you know, uh, in terms of which conversation we having, because that isn't that's an important uh, issue there. Right. I mean, you got the one conversation about what what Black Lives Matter really represents. And then you have the conversation of, you know, uh, you know, were, were, were they going deliberately after black churches or were black churches just kind of in the middle of it? You know, were they like, I, I will just say this. I, I'll tell them myself. I don't align with Black Lives Matter, not because I don't agree Black Lives Matter. I believe all Black Lives Matter, uh, which is why I care about, you know, kids getting shot in the hood as much as I care about somebody getting shot by a cop. All that matters to me. And I've moved away from Black Lives Matter because I saw the organization's website where they said our goal is to destroy the nuclear family or something, or dismantle the nuclear family. I think you and I talked about it. I think I was like, yeah. you should, you, we should look at this part, right, of what it says. I agree with you, man. I think, here's what I think. I think that, I think that there are, like, if you go to the website, it, 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 it talks about everybody that they want to, like, love and protect, and black men are definitely not on there, and it does talk about <laughs> breaking down a nuclear family, right? But I, I don't, it is what it is, right? Like, that is what it is. But I think in this situation, I think that those folks were saying, look, we're not afraid of y'all. Black people, whomever. Uh, and I think that that was a statement. I think uh, Mr. Johnson was making that point as well. Like, we're going to go to what you value or what we think that you value the most. And we're going to show you that you're not safe there either. And in that in that mm-hmm. vein, I think them brothers knew exactly what they're doing. Now, to Mr. Khalid's point, and I know that, you know, we might not agree on all the, all the pieces or whatever, but I get your point around. There's some misalignments that have been happening. There are some things that have kind of run rimshot or whatever. And I hear you. I definitely hear you. But I don't think that everybody in the Proud Boys was in their back room and saying, okay, like, I don't think that there was a plan where they were just that 
you know what I'm saying? And I and I, I hope that it ain't coming off the wrong way or whatever. You know what I'm saying? I think that those people were saying, we this is our country, you are beneath us, and we you think that we're afraid of you, and we not, and it's about to be a real issue. So mm. that's how I took those attacks on churches. So y'all can tell me if I sound crazy, uh, but I think that they were just letting letting us know you better clip up, bruh. You better clip up. You think that them days of y'all making jokes around white people and making funny voices and all that stuff. Oh no, we we got some boys that's that's ready to bounce with y'all, and and I think that we, I, I think we should take that thread as such. So what, what, what I'll say, what I'll say to Dr. Cole's point though, I I I will say though, before the presidential debate between Joe Biden and, and Donald Trump, I never heard of the Proud Boys. I don't mm-hmm. know about you all, and maybe y'all more well diverse mm-hmm. than me, but I never heard of the Proud Boys. Like to this day, and even since then. I've gotten different news reports and things like that. But until this article, this most recent one, which happened like this past weekend, I'd once again had not heard about them since the debate. So what I will say is just a little bit to to Dr. Cole's point is that I don't know if if that's what I should take. Right. Like maybe that is the image that they were trying to present. And I'm not putting that past them at all because I'm not putting anything past white supremacy. Right. But what I will say is ain't no way in hell I'm going to be afraid of no Proud Boys because once again, it seems like they pop up periodically right like it popped up during during the presidential debate because i had never heard of them and now they're popping up right before the uh the the senate race down in georgia and it just happens from time to time so that i will just say that point now once again i'm not putting anything past them saying yeah we we gonna show y'all we the real gangsters or whatever like I'm, i'm not putting that past white supremacy at all not one inch not one mile not nothing but i will say it just it seems like they pop up periodically when certain things like elections are on the table the one thing I can say is I don't see them as a pro-white group. I just don't. Um, I don't see any proof of that. And the reason being is I'm just very careful with the media. Like um, the, the media loves choosing black people's enemies. And because, like um, Jeff said, I totally agree. The Proud Boys has been around ever since Antifa started. They, they've had a lot of fights with them. They was around for like two years. And every little small fight that Antifa had, the Proud Boys was there and vice versa. 2020 came. It's time to scare black people. It's time to let black people know that these white races are coming for you in the form of the Proud Boys. And pretty much all I see it is, is gearing black people up to fight against white liberal enemies. And who is Antifa's enemies? It is the Proud Boys. And I think black people should take a neutral stance. We don't have no dog in this fight. No, we're not going to side with Antifa. And no, we're not going to side with the Proud Boys. We see the white liberal is very intelligent understands the black people's emotions so they will dispatch antifa out there talking about black lives matter we are with you and then they'll have these vote joe biden signs which psychologically manipulates black people's heads to see okay these people these are our allies and these white people over here who these liberals don't like is our enemies so that's why i don't use this kkk stuff because all that is is scaring black people but t mm. can, I, can i ask you something respectfully brother sure what if, what if this is your mama's church what if this is the church in your neighborhood that you that you go to or that you worship? Listen, I don't care about Joe Biden. I don't care about the larger narrative. I don't care about the big words that black that people on Twitter learn and then they start they use it to death that day. I don't care about none of that shit. I'm gonna just be real with you. But when you start coming to a church where we worship, where people just trying to mind their own business, ain't in that politics stuff, ain't in it, ain't dealing with it. We do have a duty to protect our people and to protect that sacred ground. Even the dope dealers and the gangsters know you don't curse on the church steps. You don't mess with the mosque. You know what I'm saying? And I think that if 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 okay. you somebody desecrate your place like that, then I think a lot of people are gonna be crip walking on your couch and it's gonna be a problem. So for me, you know what I'm saying? I'm not I'm not here caping for Joe Biden. I'm Democrat, Republican, do whatever you need to do, have this other higher conversation. I'm talking about Mrs. Kalik. You know what I'm saying? Who might have been worshiping or praising with her sister and her family that now don't feel safe. And we got to do something to restore that order in our community. OK, let me ask you guys this question. Let me jump in and ask this. And, uh, and uh, Kareem, um, I'm, I'm going to get your take. because I know you, you're raising your hand a little bit. Um, the You know, I, I, I was trying to figure out what did they do to the church? Like, did they did they go in and did they, did they kill a bunch of people in the church like Dylan Roof? Did they burn the church down? Did they go in with an AK-47 and shoot through the roof? Uh, all I read, I'm just all I saw was that they tore the sign down. They tore down the Black Lives Matter sign. They said "fuck Antifa" and they burned the Black Lives Matter sign in the street. Th- did they do anything more than that? Like, what more did they do beyond grabbing a symbol of Black Lives Matter, burning it in the street, 
And that's it. I mean, how many thousands of people, how many thousands of black people have been killed by the Proud Boys? I, that, that's the question I ask. So I'll be curious to know, uh, uh, Kareem, when, I, when someone says that, what, what will be your response on that? Hey, brother, you know what? I, I don't think I can unmute your mic. It looks like Kareem is frozen. So uh, we'll, we'll pull Kareem down till uh, till we can get the uh, audio issues fixed. What, what do you guys think to that? What do you say to that in terms of of you know in terms of what people are saying? You know, okay, so and that's what I was just about to re- respond to. I didn't see any damage to the church per se, and just to uh, respond to the brother, um, I'm, I think there is a civil war between Antifa and the Proud Boys, and sadly. Black Lives Matter has been, to me, Black Lives Matter has always been co-opted, but because Black Lives Matter allows white people to walk around uh, with Black Lives Matter signs, which is Antifa antagonizing people and antagonizing them, they see them as a threat. So unfortunately, when they see Black Lives Matter signs, they see Antifa. This is why they conflate the two. When they think of Black Lives Matter, they think of Antifa. And that's Black Lives Matter fault. I don't see any racial as far as them saying, we just gonna do this because it's black people. I don't see that, I'm sorry. I think that is a left lie to get black people afraid of the right so we can be in their corner. That's all I think it is, psychological manipulation. This white person is calling that white person a racist and we are the white people on your team instead of us being in the middle, independent, critically thinking and staying out of this. Mm. Okay, uh, Kareem, it looks like we got Kareem back. Let's see if I can unmute him. Uh, can, you, can you hear us Kareem? Yeah, I hear you well. Um, okay, uh, go ahead, brother. What, what are your thoughts on this? Again, I, I didn't read or, or, or see anything other than them taking the sign down and burning it. Um, but I, 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 I'm not one to take those things lightly. These are aggressive acts. They're moving in a manner of which that they have been trained and they are exercising their cells, their minds, and their bodies to do damage. Again, I'm not fearful of them at all in the least because when our people do what needs to be done, we're not coming with fisticuffs. We're not playing games. We're not burning signs and structures. We're coming to put in some necessary work. So I'm not fearful of them. But we have to acknowledge that they are moving in a manner of which that they have been trained to do They have uh, law enforcement on their side, right? Because they're being allowed to do this. And they also have the media. Brother Express, the media is always there when they are there. Now, they have been active in New York City in certain pockets. But again, they don't come through our hoods or our communities. They know much better than that. It is a performance. But performance turned into an actual movement and reality can hurt our people. Again, the brother said any one of our women could have been worshiping in that church. What would have happened if she would have came out to prevent them from taking that sign down? And we have to be mindful of that, that these are groups of, of men, physically fit men, running around with body armor, uh, knuckles, padded gloves, all type of fire and and sticks and weapons, and they're running around with the autonomy of law enforcement. Again, Hmm. it would not happen to any other nation or any other faith-based building. Hmm. Interesting. Well, you know what's 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 interesting is um, and I think Kareem makes a good point that you know you, you can you should never underestimate somebody that's holding weapons, right? Even if they're not using them. And uh there's a lot of them and they look they they even if they aren't scary, they they look like they're trying to be scary. And so uh you know, I I, I wonder if the question becomes uh, at what point how how much energy do we put into that as what does it mean when we when we uh confront the Proud Boys because they burned down the flag. So let's say you do that. You say, don't go to black churches and touch anything on the black church. Um, at that point, the question I think becomes, you know, what what is the core issue here and what are we really fighting against? So if the Proud Boys decide to go to war, are they going to war with all black people? Is that is that what they're there for? Or did they, have they stated, you know, like for example, with Black Lives Matter, they have a clear 
uh, statement on their website about what they represent, who they're fighting for, what they're trying to do, who their enemy is, that kind of thing. Um, who's the Proud Boys enemy? Uh, I, I've heard them, I heard them say fuck Antifa. I've never really heard them say fuck black people, but that doesn't mean they have to actually say it. But I'd be curious to know uh, wh- where do we see that? Wh- where do we entangle the racial part other than, you know, white people saying, well, these are your enemies, too, because uh, we have black people on our team and they uh, got mad at the black people because it. So, so are they mad at the black churches because they're aligned with Antifa or are they mad at Antifa because they're aligned with the black churches? Which one is the horse? Which one's the chicken? Which one's the egg? Anybody want to jump into that? I I was going to start because I think I think you brothers going to do a better job of going deeper on Antifa because I don't I don't think about Antifa throughout my day. I I never do. It's just never. (laughs) But I I, I think I I think they said that they don't rock with black people when they went on sacred ground and did that. And I I don't I don't care if you're Christian or not. Right. Like a black church is a black Mm -hmm. church. Same way a mosque Mm -hmm. is. But I would ask you this, uh, Dr. Boyce, and and I would ask you this question. You I know you are engaged. Right. Like. And then a place in which your wife was your, your future wife was in. Right. I don't mm. think you asking any questions. I don't think you asking why somebody doing whatever. I don't mm. think you're trying to figure out what somebody was thinking, what they wrote on a whiteboard. In that moment, I think that it's just going to kick in. And I need to serve and protect this person that I love that I'm going to spend the rest of my life with. And so that's how I'm looking at this church situation. I don't give a damn about Antifa. I don't care about what's going on inside of Black Lives Matter. I don't care what's going on with how people feeling about Trump or Biden or whatever the case is. As mm. soon as you stepped on that black church's place and we know about the history of. Listen, man, it's been people. Black people have been lynched this year. Let's just let's let this has happened. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's a very that's 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 really aggressive to me. And it ain't about being scared because I'm coming out and it's going to be an issue. It's going to be an issue. Something going to happen if that's the church that's in my neighborhood. That's that's what I'm saying. I wanted to go first because I know you brothers are more informed on Antifa. I know you are more on this issue. So I wanted to respectfully. I just wanted to make sure I was being understood. Like it ain't about being scared. It's just about like, yo, this is my community and I don't give a damn why you did it. But now something got to happen to you. And I, and I, so I think that's a good energy, right? You know, protecting our community. So I think the question becomes, are we protecting our communities? Mm-hmm. Um, what if uh, uh, in Chicago, for example, I bet I bet about 20 kids got shot this week. Mm-hmm. Um, are we as outraged about the 20 kids who got shot in the hood in Chicago as we are about a Black Lives Matter flag being burned in D.C. by uh, by the Proud Boys? I, I, so I'd be curious. I mean, you know, to that point, because I agree with you. you, you, you must protect, you know, and you're right. If, if my woman's in that church, it's going to be a problem. Right. We, we know this. Right. I think all of you as men right. uh, can agree with that sentiment. So given that that's the case and given that protecting the community is the priority, um, the question becomes, if, if if we're if we let's say we stand we stand up with the proud boys we tell them don't do that here you'll get away from here but yet people are still dying right behind us in our own neighborhoods you know our communities are still falling apart uh and some of the dirt's being done by people who are who don't wear a police uniform who are not proud boys are we defending against that as much as we're defending against uh you know these other factors uh what what do you all think about that not at all. Uh, not at all. And, and I think a lot of that is, I think some of that, I'm not going to say all of it, but some of that is politically driven. It goes back to being politically driven. But why are the Proud Boys, now the fact that they're defacing the church, that is a problem. But it is going to be put at the forefront because of the climate that we're currently in, because of the George Floyd that went down this year, because of the Ahmaud, uh, Ahmaud Arbery or the Breonna Taylors and, and the, the awakening that we took that took place in our community this year. That's going to be pushed to the forefront. And the fact that, like you said, it happened on sacred ground. It's happened at a church in D.C. And it, it has the Proud Boys connection, the Donald Trump connection, which a lot of black people do not approve of Donald Trump. Uh, so all of that goes into uh, account because and, and when you have uh, the liberals that control the media, you're going to get that push to your face while the, the kids that are getting shot in Chicago are, are going to be put to the back burner because that doesn't get you votes. Right. That doesn't get you. That doesn't get your attention. That doesn't grab your attention. What grabs your attention is like what Dr. Cole said. When I see a church is being defaced. Right. When I see a church is being defaced and anybody could be in there, because when you think of church, you think sacred, you think of elderly people, you think of women, you think of preachers, pastors and things like that. So I will say that that is going to get you more clicks than hearing about 10 kids getting shot in Chicago in one night or over a weekend or whatever. So I, I do think that play a lot of the media and things like that play into account. Yeah, and I agree with you, brother. And the thing is, they don't want black people to fix our internal 
issues, you know. So we always got to have a boogeyman. So, you know, Chicago, violence in Chicago or anything that's degrading to the black community is either going to be ignored or uplifted because we are not allowed to fix our internal problems. We're supposed to wait on white people or have some boogeyman white man around us to scare us so we stay stagnant in the same position, talking about the exact same issues 50 years from now. And just to comment, um, um, I totally agree with that. You know, the Proud Boys was out of line for defacing that church. But to me, uh, black folks just, I don't care about what happens. You know, us closing our eyes, not saying anything, not seeing our movement being hijacked, not saying anything. When you got white Antifa members and Black Lives Matter yelling at other white people saying Black Lives Matter, that, I mean, that causes racial hostility. And, and, and I'm sorry, it just puts a target on our back. Because you got people hijacking what we're doing and putting, excuse me, hijacking, yeah, hijacking Black Lives Matter, white folks who's not even a part of this, and they're creating this tension. This is where I put the blame on the white person. Just really quick about um, the Proud Boys. I'm not defending them, but if you look at them, like, the Proud Boys form from what I've seen is when Trump supporters or the right wing would protest, and then Antifa would come and throw items at them or hit them. So now they have gear because every time those two groups clash, they fight. Once again, you've never seen them. White, white Proud Boys versus Black people. It's always white Proud Boys versus white liberals. That's how it's always been. Yeah. Huh. Well, you know, uh, I, 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 I will tell you this. When, I, when I'm watching this back and forth, I really, when, I, when you see the protests just on TV, you're seeing a lot of white people against white people. You know, liberals against conservatives. That, that's what I see. Um, I, I don't personally feel like I have a dog in that fight because, you know, uh, you know, I, as mad as I might be at Trump and the Proud Boys and right wing and whatever's done over there, I'm just as mad, if not madder, that Joe Biden incarcerated 100,000, 200,000 black men and many of these brothers are still in prison. I, I, I saw a story today about a brother in Minnesota who got released, and I thought that was wonderful for him. But I, I'm, I, I personally am tired of the symbolism. I'm tired of you telling me about one guy that got out. I'm happy for that one guy. But I'm thinking about the other 50,000 guys behind him that you ain't said shit about. You know, you ain't said nothing about that guy that's still in prison right now going through hell. And it, because we're, we're shining on one case at a time and we're mistaking symbolism from pro, for progress. You know, progress means that you are doing something that's impacting tens of thousands of people. That's progress. It, one person, you know, helping one person like Breonna Taylor's family. I'm from Louisville. I My best friend was murdered a few blocks from Breonna Taylor's house. I know Louisville very well. And I was very happy that Breonna Taylor's family got justice, but I still know Breonna Taylor's one person. So I'm trying to figure out at what point, and anybody can jump in. And, and Kareem, if you want to respond, just uh, let me know, brother. Uh, yeah, I'll let Kareem uh, jump in on this. I'm trying to figure out when does the symbolism translate into substance, or or do you just keep playing with my emotions to get me to vote for you, and, and still all them tens of thousands of people still stay locked up because you, you got justice for one person. I, I, I'm tired of all of that. That, that drives me crazy. Uh, go ahead, Kareem. Well, well, the, the, the symbolism of that ends when we answer your last question. Is the black man protecting his community? Is the black man protecting the black nation? And that answer is no. I worked for the Cure Violence Program, which is an anti-gun violence program that started in Chicago. Uh, I've been on the ground for many, many mm. years. Uh, I've worked in prisons. I've worked in classrooms, you know, work in the streets to, to do exactly what we're stating, to get rid of the symbolism of what is work and what is our progress as opposed to just fanfare, agri-tree, right? And, and, and these little minimal uh, images of some type of relief. We as black men, as melanated men, have to be very serious about what we say out of our mouths and the end results of our actions. We have failed to protect our nation, our women, and our children at every aspect. There is no more excuses for how things are moving. This is not 1960, this is the 70s, the 80s, or the 90s. We are in 2020, and as a group, I'm speaking of men in particular, as a group, we have not made any forward progress. So they are giving, right, these people the stage 
to continue on with this little fakeness, with these little inches, instead of us becoming the front and grabbing miles, miles of progress, because we have set specific goals. Specific goals need to be met by black men. Without that, we're going to continue to have another 30, 40, 50 years, another two or three lost generations still waiting for crumbs and handouts and the mother may I when it comes to our women and children. Mm. All right, all right. Well, do me a favor, everybody. Uh, hit the thumbs up button, hit the share button, hit the subscribe button. Uh, you're on the Black Boss channel, theblackbosschannel.com. That's where black men do all the talking, and uh, everybody else needs to listen. So uh, make sure you subscribe. The URL is right there on the screen. Uh, also, hit hit the thumbs up button, hit the share button, hit the subscribe button if you haven't done it yet. Uh, make sure that you uh, support us as we're trying to build black media uh, because these are smart brothers that I think should be heard, and uh, a lot of the society doesn't listen to the black man. So thank you all for hanging out with us today. Um, I, I want to mention the names of the panelists real quick, if you allow me. I got Jeff Lightsey Jr. You can raise your hand, Jeff. Jeff Lightsey Jr. from Ball Sports. Mr. Tariq Abdul Khalid. Uh, Tariq uh, is, a, is a brother. He, he, he does. He just. I don't know exactly what title to use, but I just know he's a, a smart black man and a strong black man. We got Dr. Jar- Charles Cole the Third. Uh, raise your hand, Charles. And we uh, we got my brother. I, I just met him today, uh, Kareem Blitz Johnson. Uh, how you doing, brother? He is uh, an activist and uh, intelligent black man. So do me a favor. Hit the thumbs up button. Hit the share button. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the notification bell. All that stuff so you'll be notified when we go live. So let me uh, add, let, let's start with what uh, Kareem just uh, pointed out uh, very clearly, very eloquently about uh, the, the failure of the black man to protect the black woman. Uh, so I will start with uh, Jeff Lightsey Jr. Uh, do you feel that, that we, we have failed in our job of protecting the black community and the black woman? And, uh, and and why and, and what are your thoughts on that in terms of uh, how we can move forward on that? Well, uh, some of it, I mean, I hate to say it, but some of it is because we were removed from the homes early on. Right. Like that. It, it kind of goes into that. When, when you are removed from your homes for petty drug crimes, whether it was the 80s, the 90s or early 2000s or whatever, it's hard to be the protector of your family when you're removed from the home. And now you, you had a. And I don't I want to preference my comments by saying I I am all for independent women. I am all for what the women do and and the black women in particular, what they do in our community and what they do to our society and how they uplift our society and makes all of our men better. But I will say the rise of a a feminism group. Right. Telling women that they can be the mommy and the daddy or telling women that they can that they don't need a daddy, that they don't need a man. That also cripples our, you know, our community. Like I, I get it. I understand there are a lot of women out here that are raising kids by themselves. And, and that is not is not for whatever reason. There are a number of reasons. But the rise of a feminist movement and telling in a lot of women having this belief that they can be both the man and the woman of the household only hurts our community that much more. So I, I think part of that goes into what is taking place with our, you know, our crippling families and our crippling uh, community. Mm. Okay, so uh, Mr. Tariq Abdul-Khalik, I, I've seen you make a lot of posts on Facebook about uh, where you, you've been critical of black women and black men. Uh, you go across the board. I noticed that. And I, I think that's very good, very interesting to, to read. And, uh, and, and of course, it, it upsets some people. Uh, but I know you have strong feelings about uh, the role of the black man and whether or not we have uh, actually done our duty. Uh, can you kind of speak to that in terms of uh, what's going on with the black man really taking that role? Of, of deciding what's going to happen in our community versus letting other people decide. What are your thoughts? Um, no, yeah, I, um, I'm gonna have to totally agree with Brother Jeff because I don't think black men really can decide what goes on with our community. Um, I don't think we have a megaphone to do so. Um, you know, sadly, most of the black men that who are quote unquote our leaders, these are handpicked black men by white people to be an image of what they want black people to be. And just to give you all a small example, if you just seen how Joe Biden was talking to our supposed black leaders, there were black men there and, you know, they were quiet. They didn't do anything. They didn't challenge anything, you know, and sadly, you know, it's 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 the same in our communities, especially in our hoods or whatever. Um, when you take the black man out the home, it's chaos. Like when you see a fight, I've seen so many fight videos in, in you know, black hoods where two people are fighting and it'd be a bunch of people outside, women, kids teenagers and there's no man breaking it up you know there is no father coming outside dragging his son by the ear and said boy get back in this house right now you don't see none of that it's just chaos and that expands outside of our communities into the world so yeah um 
I would say until black men actually have a control of the media to where we present our propaganda of how our community is supposed to be, um, it's going to remain this way. Doc, I think you're on mute. You muted. Dr. Charles Cole III. So uh, what are your thoughts about the role of the black man and whether or not we have uh, come up short? And, uh, you know, because I, I, I think Kareem's uh, statement about that is, is a really important and powerful statement. And uh, I'd love to get your thoughts on that as well. Yeah, no, nah, I appreciate that, man. And, I, you know, I born in Chicago, lived in Paducah, Kentucky, and then, you know, grew up in between Oakland and Chicago. And I started by saying that both of my parents was in and out of jail and all that good stuff. But I still feel like I got agency. I think that you're absolutely right. There's been an assault on black people. I mean, that's my doctorate looked at that stuff. Right. Like it's been a systemic uh, way to kind of get black men out the homes or whatever. And at the same time, you know, I do think that there are a bunch of us that care about our communities. I think that I would, I would venture to say everybody on this panel cares about their community. And, does stuff. and and I even put it in the private chat. I actually been writing about Chicago for a while. I was, I was born out here. You know, I grew up in Maywood uh, and bought a house in Dalton, right? Like, and those are right outside Chicago. But if you know that area, you know where those places are. And I did that stuff intentionally. But look, the article that I write about Chicago that I call it the killing season and what we can be doing as black folks that didn't get as many views as when I would talk about white supremacy. Right. Or, you know, I run an organization and with one of our, those grants we got for 100 grand, you know, I, I'm giving that money, all that directly back to black people, back into the hood around literacy. Right. But that's not the stuff that people talk about or that gets captured. And this is one of the reasons I appreciate this platform, because I think that we. We can kill that narrative, man, and we can kind of tell our story the way we need to tell it. So, yes, as a, or as there is systemic racism that has impacted us and took us out of homes, my dad was in and out of jail. And, yes, I still have agency within myself, even in the midst of all that stuff, that I can do something now with what I got. You know what I'm saying? So I just look at it in a sense of um, I hear you, Dr. Boyce, and I hear the brother, too. That's right. That's right above me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I don't disagree with you on that. But. What we do from here moving forward is important. You know what I'm saying? I might not be able to change the whole system tomorrow, but you're not just going to come in my neighborhood and do this. I'm not, I might not change the whole system tomorrow, but if I see a young black boy disrespecting an older black woman or anybody, right, it's my job and duty to correct him. Just because shit was bad and we got a raw deal, don't give us an excuse to not do the right shit now. And I think that that's the piece that I'm kind of coming with. So I agree with you, brother. I think that, and I, and I don't want to make it seem like I'm coming at you, T, because your thing is, but there's a lot of stuff systemically that's happening. And these people still trying to play us like a fiddle. I just want you to know that I hear you. You know what I'm saying? Like, like Joe Biden don't care about you. He don't. I don't, I don't think Joe Biden cares about me at all. And I still want it. I'd rather him be in office than Donald Trump. Right. But we, that's a whole different conversation. Multiple things can be true at once. But the thing that we need to be hollering about right now is what are we doing tomorrow? What are we doing tomorrow for our people? And how do they how do we make people in our community feel safe? Because we there. You ain't in jail. All right. So, uh, uh, everybody, uh, uh, if you could um, uh, hit the thumbs up button, hit the share button, hit the subscribe button. We got our all black intellectual chocolate panel tonight. We were talking about a lot of stuff. We started off talking about what the Proud Boys did in D.C., but really it circles back to you and it circles back to our community because uh, we'll be one in here. Uh, we're only going to talk about white people for so long before we start talking about black people because we know what matters most. So what I'm going to ask the panelists to do and we'll start with our, uh, our guest, uh, Kareem. Uh, is is uh, if you if you want to, if you could in the in sixty to ninety seconds uh, could you leave us with something where we can walk away from this conversation better uh, with some marching orders in terms of things we can do maybe starting tomorrow uh, that'll make us all better people that'll make us all better black men and black women uh, where we can actually add something uh, to the pot uh, as opposed to just talking about it and complaining about it uh, what can we do now Kareem I know you're a man of action uh, you hang with Jade Arendelle so. Any friend of Jade's uh, has to be a real one. So uh, I'll let you begin with, uh, brother. Uh, give us your final thoughts. What we must do is recognize that the roles of men and women are interchangeable in our path towards liberation. Our black woman have to be on our hip. We have to be on her hip and we have to struggle together and welcome the struggle. There's no more depending on leaders we are the leaders and we have to go extra hard because we know everything that is standing in front of us. And we have to be vigilant, we have to be fearless, and we have to be continuous. You win wars with consistency. So we have to occupy the space and the time of our people, our conditions in order to win. Set goals and know that there is nothing 
there's no power or authority over us. There is no not one. All right, all right. So uh <clears throat> Jeff Lysey Jr., um uh your show. Go ahead, brother. I definitely agree with uh Mr. Kareem said, just like I say, I say this at the end of a lot of panels, it all starts from within, right? Like we understand what we've, the struggles that we've gone through as a community throughout the past. But as long as you get your house in order, I think start, starting with one household, one person at a time, we can continue. It, 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 it's not an overnight process, right? But one person, one household at a time, we can continue to change and impact our community in ways that you might not even imagine, ways that you can't even imagine. Uh, because we are that strong of a people, we're that smart of a people, we are the original man. And so I believe just continue to get your house in order. Everything else will take care of itself. All right. Uh, Mr. Uh, Tariq Abdul-Khalik, uh, your final thoughts. Yeah, I just want black people to understand that black people, we don't control the media, white people do. So be very careful of other white people telling you who your enemy should be. This is very important. They do not respect us for our intellect. To them, we are just foot soldiers for a higher political agenda. So if they're fear-mongering us on a specific group, okay, we need to ask questions. Who benefits the most from this fear-mongering? Do black people benefit the most or do another political party or someone else outside of that benefit the most? We must ask those questions. Otherwise, we are going to keep being used. We're going to keep always fighting on the ground while the people in power just remain in power because we never touched them. We're still on the surface level. Mm. All right. Um, Dr. Charles Cole, the third, um, your final words, brother. That's a long, that's, that's a long name. Uh, yeah. Man. Well, you, you earned it. It's your fault. You did. <laughs> you're right. You're right. I, I would say this though. I, I would say, you know, the brother's right around, you know, who runs media. And I think that, you know, on this, you got five intelligent folks talking that don't all agree, but able to have a conversation. I think that if you actually believe that y'all should be sharing and pushing this, I think secondly, man, uh, we are, you know, push these systems, man, but also how you pushing yourself. I got a whole bunch of things I got to fix about me. And I've been trying to work on me and I try to invest in my community, whether it's Chicago, whether it's Oakland, whether it's Kentucky. And I try to get the best that I can and do what I can. But I need to make sure. And we know, one, that I ain't got to go out there alone and people going to have my back, even the brothers on this panel, whether we agree or not. And two, our community's got to know that the men are going to lead in their community. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying nobody else can lead. I'm not saying that, that the voices of women are not important or the voices of children. All those things are very important. But if we want to reclaim that spot, then we got to reclaim it and we got to do so unapologetically. So um, and that starts with protecting our communities. And, you know, I talk about, like I said, Chicago and the violence going on there just as much as I talk about white supremacy. And there is a connection there. But at the same time, how are we helping people survive on Monday? You know what I'm saying? I grew up homeless, man. And I think about Monday all the time. So, you know, do you feel do your people feel safe on Monday? And if not, and you in the, in the vicinity and you a brother, then what you doing? And, and, and I asked myself that question. Mm. All right. All right. Well, everybody who's watching, I hope you, you all can join me in giving a digital thank you and a digital round of applause to uh, our All Black Intellectual Chocolate panel. Uh, we do these panels uh, almost every single day. Uh, so I hope you all will uh, hit the thumbs up button, subscribe to something, uh, hit the notification bell because uh, we're building black media and uh, we really can use your help. And uh, also, uh, speaking of blackness and black people that are doing great things for the black community, uh, on uh, Thursday, on the uh, 17th, two days from now, uh, we got Mark Harris coming through. Mark Harris is a, a good brother who is actually making movies in the heart of Inglewood, which is um, which, which is a, a, a pretty self neighborhood in Chicago, a neglected community in Chicago. But he's actually down there uh, running the Inglewood Film Festival. He's doing things for his people. Uh, and he creates films that uh, describe a beautiful vision of what we will be as we build our communities. Uh, if you've ever seen his movies, you know that they're really good. You've seen them on BET, BH1, all that. Well, we're, we're on Black Movie Night, uh, we're, we are actually going to have a screening of his film, Stock Options. So uh, you can go to blackmovienight.net. You can register for free. Uh, join us. Uh, we're going to get together, watch the movie, have a conversation with the director after, and it's going to be amazing. So my final thought on this is this. Look, um, I think back to this election, right? And I, I thought about what Ice Cube uh, and many others did when they were leading uh, this surge to hold people accountable, when they were basically stepping to the politicians, man to man, eye to eye, and saying, look, you know, this is what our people need. Uh, our people will suffer no more. Or if, if we are suffering, we're not going to 
excuse me, give you credit for doing things that you did not do. We're not going to pretend like you're our friends when you act like our enemies. We're not going to believe you're our allies when you've undermined us at every turn. We're not going to let you make us think that we have to do anything unless we choose to do that, right? Unless we have agency in that decision. And so um, I stood with with what Q was doing largely because uh, I, I I could tell what was going on. What was going on was America had a backlash to this, and a lot of Black folks had a backlash to this for the main with one for one simple reason: they're not used to Black men stepping up and saying we are your equal. They're not used to Black men stepping up and saying. Uh, we are in charge. You know, they're not used to black men protecting and defending the black community. They're expecting black men to sit back and let things happen. Well, that's not what a man does. <clears throat> in fact, if you want me to identify or to explain to you in very clear language what masculine leadership looks like, and that's what we have on this panel with these excellent brothers here. That's what we have on the Black Boss channel. Masculine leadership can be described by one simple term that my daddy used on a regular basis. And that term was, fuck you. Uh, F-U-C. F-U-C stands for firm, unapologetic, and clear. That that masculine leadership means I'm not I'm not here to be your friend. I'm here to represent the interests of the people I love. I'm not I'm not I don't care what you think about me. I'm here to protect my family. Uh, I, I I'm not. You no, know, I don't want. I don't need to be your buddy if you're screwing me. So so F-U-C. Fuck you. If you don't support my community, then fuck you. Right. If, if you don't understand why we're doing this, then fuck you. And I, and I say that clearly because I don't give a fuck if you don't like it, if people don't like this, because I think that what you're seeing here is you're seeing the emergence, the reemergence of the black man. Uh, the black man got crippled back in the 1990s. You saw it with, with with Biden crime bill and all this other nonsense. They sent so many black men to prison. They sent your strongest men to prison, your most intelligent men to prison. They sent your alpha males to prison, your future billionaires to prison. They sent your intellectual leaders to prison. They sent your fathers to prison. They sent your husbands to prison. They sent the men to prison who were going to lead and stand up and support the community. Well, a lot of those guys are coming home. And a lot of those guys have sons who are not going to fall for the okie doke like they did 25 years ago. So so you're just seeing a different community. And so uh, so I will just say this. I'll say this. If you have a lot of reason to be optimistic, you have a lot of reason to be proud. You have a lot of reason to be excited about the future, because uh, once you once that door is open, it's very, very hard to shut. So black men and black women, we all have agency in our community. And I don't care which conversation you have. As long as it's your conversation, as long as it's your agenda and not somebody else's agenda, and and, and you're gonna get more resistance because of that. And uh, and and so I don't care how many little fake Negroes, how many little fairy little fairy uh, pansy Negroes, little, little Negroes that wear pink tutus that they put on the front lines and pretend to be black leaders that are sitting there letting Joe Biden yell at them like that. He knows Biden knows that. The real men in the black community will not allow him to talk down to them like we're children because we're not children. We're not little girls. You come deal with us. You're going to have to deal with something that's very, very real. So it's okay if they get upset. They will never cheer for you really advocating for yourself. So all you do is you keep moving forward, uh, firm, unapologetic and clear. Everybody got it. We got it. We on the same page. I that that profanity didn't bother anybody. But if it does, then. You know, y'all know what I think. I, I, you know, I don't care. So uh, thank you guys for my panelists. I, I, I appreciate uh, Jeff Lighty Jr., Tariq Abdul-Khalik, uh, Brother Kareem Blitz uh, Johnson, and also Dr. Charles Cole III. These guys are coming back. Make sure you subscribe to the Black Boss Channel, theblackbosschannel.com. <clears throat> Excuse me. And also, if you want to join us for Black Movie Night, you can go to blackmovienight.net, not .com. That's blackmovienight.net. So take care, everybody. Have a good night. Uh, we'll see you soon. Be good. Peace.